1: Hello, all you podcast people out there. I'm Chastin Buttigieg. My husband is the Secretary of Transportation. And for the record, I am not some low rank queen from Indiana. I don't care what that Miller Frost says. Chastin, Chastin, what are you doing? I'm opening the Miller Frost podcast just like we're supposed to do. That's not for a couple of weeks. Well, that's not what I heard. Now, Chastin. I told you this morning that it wasn't for two more weeks. Well, that's not what I heard, Peter. Chastin, this is only the 98th podcast. Ugh, 98, 100, who cares? Well, Chastin, you're off by two weeks. Well, Peter, I use woke math, so you're being racist for correcting me. How am I being racist, Chastin? You're also white. Well, I have two new black babies. Barack and Oprah. Now, Chaston, they're also white. Ugh, that's how little you know, Peter. Barack and Oprah identify as black. And that's capital B black. Just like the AP Style Guide says. So now, Peter, you're a triple racist. Okay, you two silly queens. Get off my podcast. (laughs) Jeez. Sorry about that, folks. Go to use the bathroom... And come back to find those two queens hijacking my podcast. And not like you need this introduction, but I am your host, Miller Frost. Joined, as always, by my fake black friend, white boy Malcolm X. And I hope everyone out there is having a grand gay old time this weekend. I know you queens out there who tuned into Amazon Prime to watch Mayor Pete You were definitely having a grand gale time masturbating to that dumpster fire of a documentary. And yes, folks, we actually did tune into it for, what, 10 minutes or so? Something like that. We watched the first couple of minutes, then started skipping forward a bit. And to lay the scene for this, we did our usual Friday night dinner and a movie here at Casa Frost. I, of course, did the cooking. Like that lazy queen on the other side of this room even knows the difference between a pot and a pan. Now, he can tell you all the different shades of ginger out there between Ronald McDonald ginger and AJKJ Appa ginger. But the only thing he's good for in a kitchen is knowing where the bottle opener is at all times. Girl has to have her priorities. So we watched Read something Red notice, Thank you, White Boy Malcolm X, on Netflix. Ryan Reynolds, The Rock, I think he goes by Dwayne Johnson now. and Gal Godot. All you virgin pajama boys out there, living in your parents' basement, I up that sex on the corner, playing with yourselves, your Pokemon cards, your PlayStations, masturbating to Marvel films, masturbating to DC comics, masturbating to whatever the hell has been posted on Reddit this week, freaking out your parents, freaking out the neighbors, I don't need to tell you who she is, but to all you other folks out there wondering, she also plays Wonder Woman, so that's who she is. So after that's over, and it was okay, it was fine, white boy Malcolm X is like, do you want to watch Pocket Queen Pete and Justin Buttigieg, that low-rent queen from Indiana? Not exactly his words. But you folks get the idea. So I'm like, okay, I guess. But get me another beer first. Again, folks, girl has to have her priorities. And I have to admit that I was terrified. Terrified of watching this thing. So I prayed. Please, sweet baby Jesus. Please, 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 please do not make my eyes and ears bleed watching this horror show with these two dopey queens. So just to give you folks a quick summary, what a train wreck that thing was, at least what we saw. First off, as Rush Limbaugh used to say, and I'm roughly paraphrasing this, folks, so don't get you triggered out there if it's not exactly what he said, but the second you introduce a camera into a situation, everyone starts acting for the camera. And these two vainglorious queens they love to act for the camera. Only those feckless clowns in the media, in the swamp, who think that this queen, who has basically failed his way up to a B list job in the ruling class, think that he's worthy of this hand job of a documentary. Yes, hand job of a documentary, White Boy Malcolm X. That's exactly what that was. You disagree, sir. I didn't think so. Now, I'm sure the queens loved it. Oh, that Pete is so dreamy. Oh, they're such a power couple. Oh, it's so nice to see a gay couple in the halls of power. And on and on and on. Queens, queens will watch anything with any amount of gay in it, no matter how bad it is. And this one, folks, well, as my grandmother used to say, it's nice if you like that sort of thing. How's that for passive-aggressive? In other words, it sucked. So on to the program, on to our news headlines, and this first one is from Pink News. Those girls over at Pink News. Taylor Swift's 10-minute version of All Too Well will emotionally destroy you. It's a masterpiece. Not that those girls over at Pink News are a bunch of drama queens or anything. But if that headline is not bad enough for you, that a Taylor Swift video will emotionally destroy you. Although, now that I think about it, I know that some of you out there who would make Taylor's world your world, I'm sure you would be emotionally destroyed watching this. To be honest, I probably would be emotionally destroyed too watching a 10-minute Taylor Swift video, but not for the same reasons. But if that's not bad enough for you, How is this for an opening paragraph? Taylor Swift has finally released her much-fabled 10-minute version of All Too Well, and it will leave you sobbing in bed, desperately clinging on to your last morsel of hope that love still exists. That might sound dramatic, but it's accurate. Okay then, princess, if you say so. Now I couldn't care less about Taylor Swift, her videos, or the Weird, fanboy, fangirl, fan, non-binary folk out there who would actually sob in their beds, emotionally destroyed by a music video. But folks, I do have a few thoughts about this. Number one, what was she thinking releasing a 10-minute video? Kids these days, the semi-stalker fans who would get the vapors over this, They don't have the attention span of a gnat. Like anyone is going to get through this thing, focused enough to get so emotionally destroyed that they wind up sobbing in bed, desperately clinging to anything, much less their last morsel of hope that love still exists. Number two. This song is apparently, allegedly, supposedly, possibly, maybe, about Taylor Swift and Jake Gyllenhaal. Some fling those two had at some point. Again, folks, couldn't care less about either of them, but it does beg the question. What kind of magical hoo-hoo does Taylor Swift have that men will line up to bang her, knowing that once it's over, she's going to write a song about it and trash you in the process? Who would sign up for that unless it's like, man, I don't care what happens after. I just want me some of that magical Taylor Swift hoo-hoo. Dear, dear God, what a hot mess all around with this thing. So if you're out there emotionally destroyed, sobbing in your bed over a Taylor Swift video, bless your heart, bless your heart six ways to Sunday. I tell you to get a life, but I suspect you already have one. Taylor's, that you can live through vicariously. So you have fun with that. From USA Today, NASCAR president denounces, let's go Brandon Chant. We're not happy about that. And we were just talking about woke NASCAR on last week's podcast. Kyle Bush using the word retarded and getting himself a ticket on a train to a re-education camp to get his mind right. And now this, chanting, let's go Brandon, which if you don't already know, is a polite way of saying, F, creepy Uncle Joe the hair sniffer, that, that apparently is triggering all those good woke clowns over at NASCAR. Steve Phelps, he's the president and head woke clown at woke NASCAR, he called it an unfortunate situation. Not as unfortunate a situation. As NASCAR competing with the woke NBA or woke NFL to see who can be the most woke, but I guess to woke Steve Phelps, that's pretty unfortunate. Okay, Steve, if you say so. I assume, folks, that if woke Steve Phelps is not happy about Let's Go Brandon, if he is basically giving his fan base the middle finger or the Jersey City salute to some of you, he must be embarrassed that most of his sports fans are of the Republican conservative bent. I guess in his rarefied social circles, he must be embarrassed about that. He must be shamed about all that. Perhaps that NASCAR is popular in the South and everyone knows that the South is full of nothing but rednecks, hayseeds, hicks, rubes, whatever you want to call them. Probably wishes he could run big golf or big tennis. Something that attracts snooty white people? Not a sport whose fans are the personification of inbred trailer trash. Well, Steve, nothing wrong with you stepping down from running Woke NASCAR if your fans are too embarrassing for you. I don't think any of them would miss you, quite frankly, so something for you to think about. And don't think about it too much, Steve, or they may start chanting, Let's go, Steve, to give you the finger or Jersey City Salute, right back. From the Gateway Pundit, Queen Kamala interrupts NASA presentation to ask if they can measure trees as part of environmental justice. And here we were, folks, what, a few months ago, cracking jokes about tree equity, how if the BIPOC don't have trees, Whitey shouldn't have trees either. What have I always said about the woke folk in equity? Everybody equally miserable. So here we are laughing about cutting down Whitey's trees to have tree equity. And here is Queen Kamala at some NASA presentation. And what does she do? She asks NASA if they can measure trees. NASA can't even launch a rocket these days. Has to pay the Russians or SpaceX to get their astronauts to the International Space Station. But apparently, they may have the technology to count trees. And here's the quote from Queen Kamala on that. Can you measure trees? Part of that data that you're referring to in environmental justice that you can also track by race, there are averages in terms of numbers of trees where people live. So I guess they're pretty serious about that if Queen Kamala is asking NASA to find Whitey's trees find them, and send in the woke folk with the chainsaws to take them out. Speaking of that lazy pocket queen, how's this from The Guardian? U.S. must rethink attitude to parental leave, Pete Buttigieg says. So pocket queen Pete, who took a few months off to care for his two little crumb crunchers, Barack and Oprah, I think that's what they call them anyway, says that the U.S. needs to rethink how we, I guess he means the taxpayers, look at paid parental leave. He sucks at his job even when he's there, but this queen wants to not show up for work and still get paid. Yeah, he's definitely a Democrat. Then again, now that I think about it, maybe we should pay him not to work. He gets back from paid leave taking care of Barack and Oprah, Again, folks, I think that's their names. And what does he do? He calls highways racist. Woke Pete, who couldn't fill a pothole if his life depended on it, sits there with a baby binky, jammed up his ass while our ports are melting down. And what's his priority? Calling highways racist. I think it was Walter E. Williams, the brilliant economist, who said that taxation was legalized theft, which is basically what this is. I want to have a baby, I want to sit at home for a couple months to take care of it, and I want my neighbors to foot the bill. Assuming all your other neighbors aren't doing the exact same thing, which means everyone one town over, they're the idiots slogging into work to pay for you to raise your kid. As if footing massive property tax bills to pay to educate other people's kids isn't bad enough No, now they want us to pay for them to stay home as well. And the worst part about this is that way too many people think this is just fine. Forcing other people to pay for their decision to have kids. Paid family leave, universal preschool, free education through high school, where your kids get to mostly eat for free so you don't even have to buy groceries, free community college, student loan forgiveness, and on and on and on. This is why we're $30 trillion in debt with no end in sight. Everybody wants something for nothing. But folks, the bill will come due at some point. This is unsustainable. And that which cannot continue will not continue. May not happen in our lifetimes, but your kids and grandkids, the ones you popped out expecting everyone else to pay for, they're the ones who will get screwed When this house of cards comes crashing down and you kids have fun with that.
0: Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both. Stay
1: up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com/newsadfree. That's amazon.com/newsadfree to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. From page 6. Bella Hadid admits she cries pretty much every day and every night. This is one of those stories that I have to admit that I wasn't even sure I wanted to touch. I saw this, and of course, folks, my inner cynic came right out. So I'm thinking, here's another dopey Gen Z chick suffering from Madonna syndrome. Goes on to Instagram with this whole, oh, look at me, look at me. I cry all day and all night, year after year after year. So that was my first thought, her doing this just for the attention. But then, folks, I had a completely different one. What if Bella Hadid, whoever the hell she is, a model or whatever, what if Bella is telling the truth, the whole truth and nothing but the truth? What if, as incredulous as I find it, as hard as it is for me to believe, Bella here does cry every day, every night, and has cried a couple times a day, every day, for the past few years. Just sit with that for a moment. And no white boy Malcolm X, no snark with this. I'm being serious. If this is true, what she says here about shedding her white women's tears almost nonstop, it does beg a couple of questions, at least to me. First off, where is the family? Where are the parents? She has a few siblings. I think they're all models. The sister and the brother, too. I think I saw a picture of them at some point. He's like another one with a 12-year-old boy body like Timothée Chalamet. None of them has stepped in to get her the help she needs. It's not like this started last weekend, folks. This has been going on for years. Second, has she ever heard of therapy? And if so... Why the hell hasn't she fired whatever strip mall therapist is providing her treatment? Clearly, whatever they're doing, that is not working. I bet you folks, I bet you I know exactly what this is. Exactly what's going on here. This young lady, she's young, beautiful, successful in her career. She probably woke up one day, looked around at her life, her vapid life, and was like, What the hell happened? Because I guarantee you folks, people look to her and other celebrities and think, Man, that's the perfect life. Looks, money, fame, I wish I had that. She wakes up and she has all that, and lo and behold, it doesn't give her anywhere near the satisfaction she thought she'd have getting to where she is. And, now that I think about it, she's probably surrounded by people who only want to be around her because of who she is or what being in her orbit can get them. She can probably count the number of true friends on one hand with a few digits left over. I've had some exposure to some of this before, kind of brushed up against some of these kind of folks. The stories I could tell, and I will at some point, but from what I've seen, from what I can tell, that kind of life Surrounded by people who are only there to use you, that eats at your soul. So, Bella, I hope that you get the help you need, dear. I really do. If this is true what you're saying, I do wish you all the best, because God knows you probably need it. From Fox News, and no, folks, this has absolutely nothing to do for a change with Megan McCain. Columbia University employees can be dismissed for using wrong pronouns. So at Columbia University, and that's down there in New York City, for you folks who don't know where all the fancy-pants Ivy League schools are, like any good woke folk, they are really, really, really down for the transgender, non-binary folk struggle. Not only that, but they really want to make sure that anyone on campus who has to feel special and unique and uses super special pain-in-the-ass pronouns, they don't get too triggered by someone not respecting their need to be just like everyone else by trying to be different. So those woke clowns down at Columbia, they release a video, Why Pronouns Matter, of all the godforsaken first-world white people problems out there, and they said that Intentionally misgendering someone by refusing to use the correct pronoun or name is a violation of the Columbia University non-discrimination policy. Words matter. Even unintentional errors can create challenges. And by challenges, I suspect they mean that some overindulged brat gets butt hurt because you screwed up their super special pain-in-the-ass pronouns. And not surprisingly, if you do that, intentionally misgender someone by refusing to use the correct pronouns, you can lose your job over pronouns. And I can just see these spoiled brats at Columbia, see them weaponizing this to screw over some professor that gave them a B on a term paper. When everyone knows that they deserve an A on everything, they'll be like, nobody gives me a B, go up to the professor, oh, professor, I forgot to tell you, my pronouns are fei far but only on Tuesdays and Thursdays. I also go by zizir za but only on Mondays and every other Wednesday. Everything else is shim Oh, and if you don't recognize my super special pain-in-the-ass pronouns, just like I want, I'm going to tattle on you to the dean, get you fired. And I hate to admit this, folks, but I do not feel the least bit sorry for these professors. This is the world they helped create with their radical leftism, hyper-political correctness, safe spaces, trigger warnings, participation trophies, and on and on and on. They made their bed, so now they get to lay in it. And you folks at Columbia, you have fun with that. Speaking of spoiled, narcissistic bratty kids, how's this from the Washington Examiner? Nearly a third of millennials identify as LGBT study finds and you millennial Gen Z kids out there, you wonder why everyone just rolls their eyes at you. Why nobody takes you seriously? It's this kind of garbage right here, so According to this story by the Washington Examiner, the country as a whole has about five point six percent of the population as members of the tribe are lovable Star Wars bar of a tribe. But as you folks know, kids these days, they're not happy being like everyone else. This is why we have seven or eight different gender choices, seven or eight different sexual orientations, because kids these days have to have their own sexual orientation, have to have their own gender identity, have to have their own super special pain-in-the-ass pronouns. Being plain old vanilla heterosexual, meh, That's for losers. And yes, folks, I already know that in wanting to be super special and unique, they're all acting just like everyone else. But it's not like they'll listen to me on this. Okay, boomer is what I'll get. And I'm not even a boomer. So in the U.S., roughly 30% of millennials and Gen Z, the participation trophy generations, they identify as LGBT according to a recent study conducted by Arizona Christian University. They surveyed 600 people between the ages of 18 and 37. Not a very big sample size, if you ask me, but oh well. We'll work with what we got. And apparently, folks, just to warn you, it gets worse the younger they get. 39% of those between the ages of 18 and 24, they say that they are LGBT. So I guess, I guess I do have a few thoughts on this. First off, I wonder, just me folks, I wonder what the numbers would have been if they had tacked on more letters of the alphabet. It's usually the LGBTQ plus community, although, as a random aside, the really woke folk in the tribe, they use LGBTQIA for the intersex and asexuals the laziest members of our tribe. And why are the lazy asexuals the laziest members of our tribe? Because they will do nobody. That is why they are the laziest members of our tribe. So yet again, those poor questioning folks, those poor catch-all folks in the plus are ignored. Clearly, it's hard to be a Q or a plus these days. What is the bet, White Boy Malcolm X? What is the bet that most of the LGBT, they asked, are not LG or T, but B, the bisexuals? And that's rhetorical, sir, so keep your pie holes shut. Being a bisexual, that's just a way to be kind of, sort of, maybe in the tribe, at least on a part-time basis. It doesn't really commit you to anything of substance, not like anyone is checking if you're like, oh, I'm a bisexual. or. Oh, I'm a pansexual, which is nothing more than a snooty bisexual. If you're a woman, you can say yes from time to time when your pervert boyfriend, when he wants to get off on you kissing another woman, having two chicks in bed at the same time. If you're a guy, maybe let a gay friend give you a blowjob every so often when your girlfriend is out of town and you're horny. I guess that can check the box. Either that or gay for pay. You guys out there doing that, you know what I'm talking about. So you millennial Gen Z kids out there with huge insecurities and an obsessive need to act just like everyone else by thinking that the only way to be edgy and cool is to get a tattoo or a nose piercing, run around bragging that you're LGBT. I hope it makes you feel better, gives you that special warm and fuzzy feeling inside doing all that. Although I suspect you're just as miserable as before, if not worse off, because your panacea didn't work out like you thought it would. Either way, you have fun with that. And for our last story, this is from Boston.com. Here are the concerts coming to Fenway Park in summer 2022. This is kind of a follow-up story. I guess it was a few months back, but the woke folk they were all super butthurt because of these summer concerts at Fenway. It's basically a bunch of white people singing for a bunch of white people. Fenway is whitey land and BIPOC. They were not happy about that. They want equity. And what is equity? Everybody equally miserable. And at the time, I made the comment that if BIPOC don't get to play at Fenway to other BIPOC or to dopey white liberals who go to BIPOC concerts just so they can virtue signal to other white liberals, or because they think that liking BIPOC music, that makes them cool. If BIPOC can't, whitey can either. And I figured, this being Boston, that all those good white liberals down there, they might possibly consider either adding BIPOC to the lineup or canceling the concert series to show solidarity with BIPOC. But who are we kidding, folks? these are white liberals we're talking about. You think they're going to do anything of substance to show that they're down for the struggle? No. The best part about virtue signaling to a dopey white liberal is that it pretty much takes zero effect to pull off. Oh, sure, they'll put a BLM sign in their front yard. The millennial Gen Z kids will head into town to loot Riot Burn, have a grand gay old time in the inner city, before heading back to the lily-white suburbs, the safety of mom and dad, but they are not going to inconvenience themselves in any way, shape, or form. Not these narcissists. So for all you dopey white liberals down there in Boston, here is the all-white 2022 concert series at Whiteyland, or Fenway, whatever you want to call it. Def Leppard and Motley Crue, joined by Poison and Joan Jett and the Blackhearts, They are going to be down there August 5th and 6th. That actually might be a decent show, White Boy Malcolm X. Well, for nostalgia anyway. Aerosmith, I've seen them before. They're coming on September 8th. And the Red Hot Chili Peppers, they are coming on September 10th. Lady Gaga, that is still to be determined. I guess I know where all the queens in the South end, where they're going to be that night, White Boy Malcolm X, whenever that date's announced. There'll be more shrieking there than a pride parade in Provincetown. I know how you queens are when it comes to a Lady Gaga concert. We may even be able to hear that shrieking from up here. Might have to wear earplugs that night to get sleep. My neighbors, they'll be like, are we being invaded by banshees? I'll be like, nah, that's just a bunch of queens at a Gaga concert. So all you good white liberals in Boston, you have fun at all your whitey concerts, at Whiteyland, or Fenway, depending on what you want to call it. You have yourselves a grand gay old time. Not that I have to tell you queens to do that. So on that note, since I cannot top these fake white liberals continuing to host their Whitey concerts at Whitey Fenway, even if it triggers the BIPOC folk, since I cannot top that, it is time to plug-pull this podcast. Thank you so much, ladies and gentlemen, for joining us on this Sunday edition of the Miller Frost podcast. I am your host, Miller Frost, joined as always by my fake black friend, white boy Malcolm X. Have a great rest of your weekend, a good start to your week, and we will see you back here in a couple of days. In the meantime, take care.